And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Mullinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and Beyond. I am... G. G. E.M.C. Machine. And this is J.I.'s and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J.I.'s and Jedi, a weekly podcast for... Uh, <laughs> Try all that again. There we go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Jay Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering everything Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, we have finished season two. We've reached the end of the show. And now we look back on season two of Star Wars Resistance and also kind of news about what would have happened in a third season if it happened and stuff like that. So, yeah. All that stuff. All that stuff. How you doing, Chris? They know the drill. I know the drill. This we've is been in just our... burning through all these Star Wars shows. God yeah, knows we've been our, here before. Uh, our first rodeo with the recaps and stuff like that, so. Oh, no! <laughs> Get zoom tight. Yeah, no. I'm, assu- I'm, I'm assuming that was, uh, like... That was a sneeze, and the, like your cat didn't like land on your lap with its claws out or something. No, that know. was that, that was a sneeze that I and I hate these. You know when a sneeze the gets cat- stuck that gets stuck between your mouth and your nose, and it just kind of explodes in your windpipe. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. It sounded like it caught you by surprise. It, it sounded did. like you started to sneeze, and you were just like, "Wah!" It did. It did. Because uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Ah, anyway, we're off to it was a half sneeze, half exclamation. We're off to a very um, normal I, start. Yeah, yeah, very us uh, start. <laughs> so, have a good week. Okay, I will. No, I said, yes, did, I you, did. Have, I, did I, you have a, a good, good week? week? Yeah. I'm having a great week. It's good. Still- it's your turn because I had I had a great week last week, so you need a great week this week. I mean, it was still a very normal week. Like I did a lot of my stuff. I actually started. Re- podcast editing the gravity falls wrap-up of what makes chris watch cartoons oh so i know i finally got some time I start watching avatar again almost i still got a little bit of time but almost we're getting there we're getting there i just um having to redo my a lot of my schedule to try and figure out when i can do this um but yeah i uh yeah i can't like the braves are still in the playoffs the game's on right now we are up to zero and we're currently Winning game three, five to two, which is great. Knock on wood. Going great. We're at the top of the eighth. Having fun. Um, yeah, and I've just been, did my work for the Kiki Waffle. I got some really nice comments on my uh, High Republic fan fiction over on AO3. So that's been really fun. So yeah, I just, um, I got to see my friend Francine. We had a picnic dinner in the park together, which was fun. And I got to see her very cute dog, Falcor. Who actually does look like Falcor from the Never Nick story? He's just this very long white dog with fluffy ears. He's adorable. Um, so yeah, I guess I've had a really nice normal week. Um, 
I saw that you watched all of the Over the Garden Wall. I meant to ask you about that before we started recording. Oh boy, did I watch all of Over the Garden Wall. Like I'm on episode three right now. We just watched the molasses and potatoes episode, which has been so, stuck in my head all day. So so frankly, I watched the trailer for it first, and I was like, nah, I like the visual style of it. It looks like it might just be like I'm always I'm always um a little little leery of nighttime adult cartoons because a lot of them sometimes are weird and stylish just well, for the sake of Well, this is never being... promoted to be a, an adult cartoon. It's not promoted that way. Mm, mm. I mean, this would this is like this is like the like the sweet spot it hits. It's like teen teen fiction type level of sort of story, maybe, but. Yeah, I, it had it had that sort of like, OK, this could be weird just for the sake of being weird. And I and I didn't know where how I was feeling about it. Until maybe like four or five episodes in and then something about it just sort of clicked for me. I, I like I from the beginning, I was like and I love dream time sort of stories, you know, that are just sort of happening in some sort of. You know, I mean, they may be in the cartoon happening, but there's a very dreamlike way that it plays out. And, you know, and the the way the story plays out, um, the way when when there's sort of a reveal at the end of it, it makes a, it, it, it instead of being like, oh, a neat reveal, it sort of clicks things into place in a lot of ways. And uh I and after about the fifth episode, I was just like, okay, I'm watching this all the way through. And then when it was over, and I and I sort of got like more, you know, the information at the end of it, I was like, I got to work tomorrow. But you know what? I'm what this is, you know, they're they're like what ten or fifteen minute episodes. Yeah. So it's it's and there's so it's not super. It's not like watching a whole you know season of something but i i watched it all over again like a movie and uh it was even better the second time you know it's good it's one of those things that it's gonna stand up to multiple views. i loved it i loved it see like it's it's been one of like my animation holes for the longest time and so i was like you know what this year i'm gonna start watching it so you we need do a, you need a uh a podcast called hope's animation holes <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like one of my goals this year was to finally sit down and watch it. Um, and so we do weekly TV night every Sunday night. Um, me and my, my roommate, Billy, and my stepmom, Lynn, we do weekly TV night. And we watched, um, so far, we just finished Ted Lasso season two. Um, we've been watching The Good Place. We've been watching the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then I've added this to the roster. Um, and so we are on episode three. And I have I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Like a lot of the backgrounds remind me of like old painted Disney backgrounds, like Bambi. Yes. You know how yeah, they have yeah. those like very painted or like or Sleeping Beauty, like those painted backgrounds. Um, and it's it's a gorgeous show. I, I um, was afraid it was gonna look like that just because that uh, that video game Cuphead, I think it's called, is really popular. So I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, this might I think be it came out before. It might have come out before. But Let me see. Like, it had what? that same. There was uh, they they used to. I don't know what the they called it, but there was a character called Drinky Bird. They were doing Drinky Bird comics, and were drawn in that same sort of 
that same sort of 30s, 40s style, you know, the Snow White. Oh, yeah, White he came era. out before Cuphead. Okay. So, but, you know, but, uh, oh boy. And, and I, th- this, okay, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I operate at idiot level of, of recognizing, you know, uh, voice actors. But since there's celebrity voice actors in this, I was very proud of myself that I, like, nailed all, nailed three of them. I was just like, is well, that so and so? One is Christopher Lloyd, and he has a really very fast because they just let the, the 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 people who do they 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 do the credits for like half a second of like voices, so you don't have time to read them, so you have to freeze frame them to see who it is. What I'm sorry, what were you saying? What is uh, Christopher Lloyd, who's the woodsman? Yes, he's the first one I got. He was he. I was just like, it's got to be Christopher Lloyd. There was like one word he said that just had the, the Marty in it. And, and I was like, it's got to be Christopher Lloyd because he would be perfect for it. The eyes of the woodsman were sort of there. And then John Cleese not only plays. Yeah, John Cleese does two voices in it. Mm-hmm. And he does a female voice. And Tim Curry does a voice, too. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim Curry was the one I was least sure of myself because he's so like he can do so many voices. Yeah, he's he's all over the place and the kind of stuff that he did. But there was something that was just like, oh, that's Tim Curry. And I thought the the voice of the evil character would be somebody that I would recognize, but it wasn't. But they did a very good. Everybody, it's it's. On all levels, it's just wonderfully done. To um, tie this back to Resistance, Elijah Wood um, is the voice of yeah. Gort, who the is the older character. brother. Yeah. And he is just one of those voices, the moment you recognize it, you're like, you can't unhear Frodo. Yeah. Frodo! <laughs> like, the moment you know it's him, but... Well, he's um, walking through the woods with a walking, you know, sometimes with a, you know, just walking through the woods, you know, and, and uh, yeah, the, he's... And when he dresses up in it, well, I don't know how I, I can't remember which episodes which, but like, so I'm not going to talk too specifically because you're not far along. We, yeah, now, we just got to the schoolhouse the, episode with the. Are. Yeah, we just got to the schoolhouse for animals to teach them reading in that episode um, where they sing a little song called Potatoes and Molasses, which got stuck in my head for like a day. <laughs> the, the the school teacher in that, except for having the unhappy love life, reminds me a little bit of uh, somebody I know who's a teacher. So that was, that was fun. Well, you ready to get into resistance? I am ready to get into resistance. We're getting out of resistance, actually. Yeah, well, at least finishing up season two. So, are, remember... are you ready to get get into getting out of resistance? Yeah, part one of two, because uh, we're going to definitely be finishing the show next week. Um, I am I'm, I am de- definitely ready. I'm very excited again to get into Star Wars Visions. Very, very excited to watch Visions again. Um, I will say, um, if you've never done one of our season recaps with us, first of all, welcome. And the way this works is Chris and I ha- start off with general questions that both of us answer. And then at the end, uh, we wrote questions for each other. And then we will end with Cantina Stories with Aunt Z. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm not prepared, but I never am. So let's go. Well, prepared. <laughs> prepared, prepared. What is this prepared? I know. I, know. I actually I was thinking about like what I'm going to do for the Mandalorian because I was just like, what am I going to do for my like Rex Volution? And I was like, what if I did it like 
in a cute little grogu voice be like, Hi, everybody. I'm Grogu. Let me tell you the stories about my dad. How about the Grogu-ution? The Grogu-ution. That's, that's just called Disney capitalism. Because <laughs> I'm like, Grogu is everyone fucking where. I'm the star of the show. Yay. <laughs> oh, no. Who's... Who would be a fun character to like? I mean, not there's a lot of characters who just don't make it through <laughs> the Mandalorian. But yeah, it, I, I know Din and Grogu are like the solid choices. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, for a solid point of view, and then there's a lot of characters is just like, bye, we're gonna leave you on this planet till next season or whatever. You know, there's. I so, almost want you to do like like how you did a Grunkvolution for Bill our Burr. other podcast, but do it. No, 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 but do it for like Din and just be like, today I fucked and woke up and my kid was crying and then this robot tried shot at us and it was a lot of stuff and being a single father is hard <laughs> see, I, you see that's the thing about dead though he's got his like voice through the helmet and stuff but when he gets out he's just like yeah i'm the mandalorian you know he's he's just kind of a bit he looks like the guy who works on your car you know or he oh. looks like the handyman at work or Dan something is a precious boy it's that's just, why i'm that's why I'm thinking about doing like a Quoku. <laughs> but I don't know how fun it would be to be like, and then I hit a frog. That uh, actor's got one of those big baby heads too. You know, he's got the big the the big cheeks and you know Tetra Pascal the, is a you, precious boy, don't you? Right, but I'm him. saying I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying I'm used to like when you take a helmet off with a gruff voice having someone like a clone underneath it, you know, somebody who's just sort of like chiseled out and and uh and even when we do get a clone in the mandalorian he, he's puffed up <laughs> and he's the he's the actual you know clone zero for the movies the show everything and then and then uh uncle uncle boba came and aunt finnick and they gonna get their own show Goku says yay <laughs> i don't know i I, I might do a Gwogu Gwogu illusion, but we'll have to see when we it, get there. Anyway, we're talking resistance. Yes. So, first question for both of us, um, and we do have a couple of shared ones on this one. Um, what were our top five favorite episodes of season two, and why? Okay, uh, who wants who wants to start? Let's see. Doesn't what, matter. We got the same number one, five. Yeah, we have three of the same. So why don't you start and we'll go ahead and knock out two of our different ones. Though actually you have no safe place in New World. Actually all of our episodes are except for one are the same arcs except for one. <laughs> well, there's not I mean it's it was one season. There's yeah, not a lot yeah, of arcs. Yeah. Um, no, okay. no, this is actually very telling because almost all of ours actually all of ours are in the back half. None of these are from the front half. So that's very telling. Okay, my mine are really in no particular order because they Same were here. all they were all nines. Yeah. I and I'm gonna say the um should I start should I start with my lowest one or my highest start. one? Because I do have one that I would say is my favorite of all of them. Oh, I'll start with that one. I'm curious which one it is. It's Vox Vortex. That's your favorite episode. Yes. Of, oh, of, uh, if I if I guess I guess this becomes my favorite. Yeah, I guess this becomes my favorite episode of uh, the season. Yes, for sure. Um, a you got Bender the Hut is awesome. Um, Niku 
be like being half like hacker and and geeked out like maybe has a gambling problem and shouldn't be allowed near gambling machines that's fun and it's fun it's it's fun it's 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 in a just a a, a visually new and novel um situation and also i think it gets the it gets the the um what tips it to my favorite is this one was the one that was sort of like a what i would say would have been a typical show you know in my in my uh showrunner you wanted more racing if i had if it was a show based around the racing you know and every show had like use or every, not every show but most shows used racing as the as the pivot point for the stories and the drama this would have been like a typical episode you know this one would have been a little off the beaten track because they would have been out you know guest racing somewhere wouldn't be at the home track but uh yeah i i really like this episode um my because the rest of ours are either the same episode or in the same arcs yeah. so mine mine one that is different from the rest of them is station to station um i think for one that was kind of the first episode that had the tone shift where we were like uh -huh. now things are starting to get serious um but the two scenes that definitely stood out to me in that one one was the hux and kaz elevator scene which is just so uncomfortable because Kaz is just trapped in a small space with the man who killed his planet. Now <laughs> that I think about it, in all of Hux's appearance in movies in this cartoon, that was the most meaningful Hux scene mm -hmm. in Star Wars. And, you know, and Kaz you doesn't even it. really say anything. He doesn't say anything in that mm -hmm. scene. And you can just see him just boiling. And he's getting to that point where he turns to say something and then the door opens and there's Pyre behind him. Um, but that scene alone is just so good. But also the standoff between Rucklin and Kaz is is Rucklin's point of nowhere turn where Kaz is just pleading with him. Like, we're not here to fight. We're not here to stop the First Order. We just need this piece of equipment to save people's lives. And Rucklin looks him in the face and goes, that's what happens when you choose the wrong size, side, Kaz. And is pretty much saying, fuck the people of the Colossus, they can all die. And that is just, that's Rucklin's point of no return. And it's such a chilling scene. And we start seeing Kaz really stepping up like, Niku would be screwed in that episode. And Ruck and Kaz is the one that like steps up. He's the gunslinger of the episode. They get out of there on their own merit. Like it's just a really good episode from start to finish. And I really, really love Station to Station. Um, the rest of ours are either the same episode or in the same arc. So why don't we do your second one on the list? Because we both have that one. It's not only do we both have that one, but I notice we have almost the same notes. We <laughs> have paraphrased notes of each other. Yeah, the rendezvous point. It was the introduction of Venezia, and she's a great character. She's she she feels more shaded than your average like Disney kids show. Strong strong female character that's brought into a story. The way like there's a there's a almost standard Disney introduction of it and uh 
and there's almost two variations of it. And it's funny because Ahsoka sort of had the first variation of it before Disney even had a hold of Star Wars. But like it's it says the like perky, cocky young girl who's very, you know, very sure, but not completely unsure of herself, but still, you know, willing to go toe to toe with her master. And then there's the adult. You know, strong, but Veniza had this like the way they wrote her character, she just all of a sudden you could read into like backstory. She see she stepped like onto the stage fully formed. Yeah, like I saw her and I was just like, oh, she's you know, she's more like Han Solo than anything else. You know, she's she's you know, good in a fight. And uh, she might not be the she might give her, you know, ethics a little bend if she had to. And uh, and, uh, you know, a sense of humor and just but also like competence. But there was all this was just in this one, you know, 20 minute episode where, you know, probably 10, 10 to 12 minutes of it is spent with her and. uh and uh tam but that leads into not only is she a great character but her character is the perfect perfect thing to start to sort of kick tam into her final part of her arc to where she leaves the the first order and it it was like nobody but a character like her i think would have really made the you know made the impression that she made on Tam because she didn't she didn't go in and lecture or anything. She just sort of was like, oh, okay, kid, well, you know, got to do what's, you know, what you think is right. You know, she just sort of left her to, you know, she didn't pressure. She didn't knock her out and take her home, you know, or something like that. She, she, yeah, it was, it just was very, very well done. Um, For me, I'm just going to say ditto to everything you said about Vanessa. You summed it up really well. Um, But I also want to add, like, it's so great to have in Star Wars a mom. (laughs) To have a mom in Star Wars, because there's not a lot of moms in Star Wars. Uh, I saw a perfect tweet today that said, Star Wars runs on daddy issues. Which I thought was a great summary of the franchise. (laughs) Um... But yeah, it was so great. That That's pretty much, she didn't go in as a rebel pilot. She went in as a mom to Tam and was like, I'm Taurus mom. You know, it, it stirred up those things, those emotions. She talked about Yeager, but talked about Yeager from like the point of view of a parent, like he probably misses you. So, um, yeah, Lisa but at was, the same time, she sort of treated her like a, like a mom and a peer, because if like, if it was, if it was her own daughter there, she probably would have grabbed her by the ear and been like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, You're coming with me, you know, but like it was that it was the mix of that that made Tam listen to her, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I I also. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Shit, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Neeson. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I also got distracted because the fucking Dodger just tied the fucking game. Oh, I got distracted. Okay. Um, they they're, they're fucking Dodgers. Um, but yeah, I, I love Vanessa coming in. Um, I was gonna say something with moms. Um, and, and she was Dad just really issues. Re- 
Yeah, and she was just really refreshing. Um, I like Torch as a droid. Um, oh, the honorable ones. It was the honorable ones of Resistance. That's what I was trying to figure out. Um, because it actually plays a lot of the same beats as the honorable ones from Star Wars Rebels with Zeb and Callus, yeah. where pretty much she was the Zeb, and she was just like, here's all the logic, work it out for yourself, and like it just poked holes in Tam's feeling like uh like her mindset and everything for her to start going wait a second there's a lot of holes in this thinking what am i doing it, yeah it allowed her to get some perspective on her like on what happened you know mm-hmm. absolutely so um i also really like torch he's a cool little droid i like yeah. that he's like an r2 unit that you can see through and he has like burn marks on him like torch is great well, that's that's the thing is just like torch <coughs> Or just, or just like Veniza, Torch, like you really get a good, good idea. I think I remember like thinking, seeing him and going like, "Oh yeah, he's like a gamer computer." You know, he's you mm-hmm. could tell he had like she's like, "I'm gonna put a little extra neon light in here because it looks cool." Mm-hmm. So, um, so you have breakout. I have, yes. I, but I put Missing Agent and Breakout together as one episode because they are really one story. Um, so I'll start this one because um, I originally put the Missing Agent um, because I, I like it slightly more over Breakout, but I, all the reasons that I love the Missing Agent, I still love in Breakout as well. So it's the exact same thing. Um, I I really love the introduction of Norath. I think him and Kaz are just really great characters together. They have such a good synergy because they're, they're similar kind of character types, but I also love Yeager finally being active because Yeager was sidelined for so much of the season. So actually having like Yeager with boots on the ground, actually doing stuff and like waylaying and punching out like a bounty hunter and like fighting. It was so good. It's also really good use of Sonara um, to really, really get her into the adventure. Like she, she was the fighter of the group. She was like the brawler. Um, so it was really good use of Sonara. I really liked her in the story. And CB23 really shined. Like, she was just an MVP all season, like, from beginning to end. So I really loved both the, the Missing Agent and Breakout. So, um, what did you like about Breakout? I'm going to second all of that and then say why Breakout, I liked Breakout better. It was, uh, it was, it was the little moments that made it. It was, uh, it was Kaz wishing that he was had been a murderer oh i will come back <laughs> to that later and uh uh ball droid torture scene was great and and uh well thought out and uh then this one has the scene of the colossus getting lit up by the lightning Oh, hiding That's in one the, of the gas mo- giant oh and, yeah and in in a show that like is basically steeped in in beautiful visuals this is like one of the one of the best visuals of the whole show Uh, not only just as a as a visual element of itself but with its timing and it just as a you know as a it's a very standard dramatic reveal but boy it works really well with the music and the timing of the story it's just wow It was easily some of the prettiest episodes of of those. 
uh, of of those. So and just yeah, and it just, it felt different too. I, I have to say that like maybe it was just because like we had this bounty hunter there too. It felt more dangerous compared to the rest of the season where it's just like we have to sneak in and get supply runs and run away. Like this was an actual resistance mission that Kaz was going out to save this person and there was dangers. Um, and it it was one of the few times where it was like these are really high stakes in this show and. Kaz gets shot in the arm, and, like, Yeager and Sonara get captured and tortured. Like, the stakes felt so high in these two episodes. Um, so, the next one is, um, I have the new world, and you have no safe place, which is still the same double feature, but I actually really like... No place really safe, like, Hope. No place safe! I noticed that you put it in the artwork, too. No safe place. You did it, too. Did I? Yeah, you did. Did I? <laughs> I almost went back and edited it where I just like put like a big X, like yellow X through it and just like wrote it in by hand. I almost went back. Oh my God. It. Now I'm going to be obsessed with that and I might have to fix that. <laughs> um, uh, so I, um, And I got to tell you, I wrote no safe place when I wrote it in, in here and had to go like, wait, no, no, I'm doing it. No so. place safe. It's it's hard it's hard you know it's hard mm. because the safe place is just more is more in people's heads than I know it's a Bernstein bear moment <laughs> um, but I'll go first because it's it's the first of the two so I put the new world for one Griff backstory that's what I've wanted all you've been waiting for that yeah show all freaking show i wanted griff to do stuff he just was the character that was screaming for stuff to be to have backstory to be part of the story to be like part of the first order stuff knowing how they work like i have been screaming since before the show ever started that griff was going to be the most interesting character and i got what i wanted but I also like his team up with Kaz. I think that's a really interesting pair because it's the old soldier and the new soldier. And I think that's a very fun dynamic where Kaz is his like kooky little self and Griff is just like the straight man in that in that situation. But also like he knows how to work it. Like when Kaz is about to die, Griff is like, distraction! <laughs> like he knows what to do in that situation. And I also, I, I love Eos. I love the planet. It's gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful planets ever brought into Star Wars. I love the Aeotians. I think they're really cool designs. Queen Lucy is just awesome. And it's fun that it's Lucy Lawless. Like, I love the this episode. It just is gelling on so much for me. And it just gave me so much stuff that I wanted. Um, so what do you, do you like about the second one? No place safe. It, it was uh it was my favorite of the sort of lead up to the end shows because it's one of those ones it's it's one of the shows where <clears throat> there's almost a relief of tension when you get to this point in the story and the shit hits a fan i know that sounds counterintuitive but it's like you know a you know we we know this isn't going to be uh, like Rogue One, you know, where oh, everybody died, you know, or you know, or a tragic story, you know, you're finally getting all this stuff, the resolution is starting to happen, and you're gonna just okay, we're gonna get some space battles and fights, and we're gonna get to see this play out. But 
on top of that, there's that tension of like, okay, here we go. But then the, the this episode had just a lot of tension and it had the looming tension of every TIE fighter they blew up could have been Tam. Although we mm-hmm. know that they're not going to take out Tam like that in a, in a story like this. You could feel it. It was palpable in the whole show. And I was like thinking to myself, am I doing this because I'm thinking about it or is this are they purposely doing it? And like later on in the show, they, you know, a couple of the characters said something like, hey, you know, Tam could be in one of those or Tam could be shooting, it, you know. And so it was so I was like, OK, they, it was very well done. So that's why that this one edged out um, um, New World to me. But I like the New World, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's it, except for the last one. So, Chris, we both also put The Escape. So what did you love about The Escape as our final five episodes? It was, uh, it was a, it was a flawed ending, but you, you, there was no way they were going to end this perfect, perfectly. So they ended it as perfectly as they could by ending it as more of a season ender than a show ender. It acts as it's, it's what it's like a season where the show could end there and, everything would be tied up enough but you know season three could come out the next season and uh and just keep continuing you know so which i think is makes sense for the way that the the show played out you know that that it was sort of an abbreviated version of probably what it was supposed to be whether they had it all planned out what it was all going to be they probably had a rough plan for it they had to because you have to plan way ahead for stuff like this but you know if if they tried to if they tried to do it in a different way i don't think it would have felt right you know mm-hmm. it would have felt like they were trying to do too much going to to because you know if they tried to do a rebels one where it's like five years in the future you know it would have been just like they could have done it and it could have been really cute because you could have done some really although they couldn't do that because they don't know what's going on five years yeah. <laughs> in the future at that point. So so they're sort of screwed on that. So that you know, I mean it would it could have been a cute ending because you could have had like meaningful stuff for the for the main characters and you could have had cute stuff for all the people on the on the ship and you could have ended with with you know uh, a floor buffer gag and uh you know the guy the, the guy all of a sudden the guy is doing you know the, the basically the zamboni for space hockey or something like that you know and he's <laughs> not, you know so but as as far as what they had and what they had to do this is as good as as you're gonna get um for me Knowing that they finished the show before Tross was even written, I think this is the best ending they could have done. And it's a solid ending. It's satisfying on so many ways. It's a very pure ending. It's it's the happiest ending, I think, we've had in any of the animated Star Wars thus far. Uh, yeah, definitely um, happier than Clone Wars. And, and also Rebels, because they don't know where Ezra is, and Ezra's gone. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Kanan's dead. And so it was pure and satisfying, but the stakes were still there. You didn't know how it was going to get out of there. But also, like, knowing it was written before Trost was finished, I like that they just put a button on their own story. Like, they didn't try to work it into the bigger mythos, like Clone Wars, or, or needing to remove Thrawn for Rebels, or anything like that. Like, they just, from beginning to end, Resistance was going to tell its story, whether or not... What it was going to tell its story, whether or not people liked it or not, it was going to do its thing, and that's one of the things I like about Resistance is it's just going to do its thing. You either like it or you don't, and it doesn't care. It doesn't try to appeal to a general audience. It knows what it is, and I especially love the scene where all the townspeople are meeting to discuss what to do because I that's such an important scene where it's just like, do we continue to run or do we stay? That's such an interesting scene. It's good to see everybody, and also. Tam's redemption is so important because so often in in Star Wars, like death equals redemption, which is just not how it works. Um, and that's not redemption because you don't well, get yeah. to to the actually are make up those stories too. So this one was a grounded one, so it, well, we didn't need that. death like, redemption. And and that's the thing, like unless it, you're gonna redeem Ruckland or something like that you yeah know? and he's past the point of no return right. but also like to to actually slightly counter what you just said no just because the stakes are bigger doesn't mean that death has to equal redemption because that's not redemption no just, no but it's easier just, it's an easier story crutch for for you know and, and big galaxy and, stories and it's lazy because redemption is not death it's just one deed that's done and that doesn't mean you're redeemed because Darth Vader is not redeemed. He was still a monster for 20 fucking years and killed his daughter's planet. That's not redemption. He might be in a better light to Luke because he was there when it happened. Yeah, but, that but none, make of that, none of that person. has to be addressed on screen if you kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All that can so, be addressed with the fans in conversation and then they can be like, well, we were talking about that. I was, uh, I was, not, I was not easy on... A, a uh, government official, ex-government official who died the, uh, yesterday, and uh, and uh, somebody was talking about like, well, you know, he was sorry for what he, you know, he regretted what he did, and I was like, look, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta whip out Star Wars. I'm like, Darth Vader got to redeem himself to his family, <laughs> to his son's face, you know, and and indirectly to his daughter. But he didn't get to redeem himself to the galaxy. You and, know? Leia, and Leia never accepted it either. Like, it actually destroyed her political career that we know from, like, the books. Right, right. So, right. like... But Luke had a, you know, he and Luke had a, mo you know, a moment of, of you know, or whatever. Luke was able to turn, redeem him as far as, like, Luke, like, saw him and goes, I saw my father, you know... Not Darth Vader, you know, I, I laid eyes upon my father, Darth Vader, you know, and he died as Anakin and not Darth Vader. But that that that, that never got him off the hook <laughs> for the rest of the galaxy. And and I don't think anybody really tried to get him off the hook, you know, unless it was, say, like Kylo Ren. So, you know, you can you can you can be like, I feel sorry for this person's family, but I don't, you know don't think they were i'm not going to pretend they're good <laughs> yeah so but, 
Yeah. Anyway, but I, 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 it's such a good little ending, and I, I loved it. I think it was the perfect ending for the show. So, yes. all right. Next question: What was your least favorite episode of the season, and why? AKA, what thirty minutes do you want back in your life? No, that's like as as I've said with probably every uh, everything after Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> None of I don't want any of them back. I, 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 I generally like I don't think I think like when I had to look for a, I think when I had to look for a lone score to find which one I was going to pick for this. It was a seven point five, which on, a, on a, maybe a sliding, you know, on a on a curve is a low score for for. But seven, seven, 75 is a is a good, solid passing school yeah that's that's average and uh i and and i i don't know this might be a little scandalous but relic raider i i don't think that's scandalous because that was almost my choice too it had a good concept had a good to great new character um but the execution was was sketchy it was visually beautiful but like what really like you know having having a sith temple just be a bunch of like Raiders of the Lost Ark gags was cool. And, you know, it was obviously a, a, um, and as, as you see, if we end up watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was, uh, you know, sometimes a visual, but it was a big tribute to Raiders of the Lost Ark in indie movies. But it, with, with the, while sacrificing some of the awesomeness of, uh, Sith Temple, but then again, Having like characters from this in a Sith temple is really way um, um, out of their league, and I have a feeling the Sith temple just didn't doesn't care about people like you know normal non Force people like Kaz, so it just lets its mechanical traps <laughs> take care of all that stuff. It doesn't even bother with like you know if a Jedi comes in all of a sudden like your dead grandmother's climbing up your leg with a with a knife in her teeth but like you know <laughs> Kaz just gets put on the, the that image is great that that's my that's from my friend Mike that was what my my friend Mike would say to anybody when we were in college and say there were people on on probably like you know psychedelic drugs or something he would and if anybody was like looking around like we're he's like what's the matter do you see dead grandmother crawling up your leg with a knife in her teeth <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and 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 then it had had i i have in my notes characters backsliding into their dumber selves but let's just be honest here it's kaz kaz was taken back to like early first season kaz in this where he's just like oh dump, 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 hey i tripped up oh hey what what did you say don't do this i'm doing it right now you know so like he he lost a lot of his a lot of his common sense that he's been picking up you know hard-earned common sense and self-confidence so yeah good 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 concept good idea sketchy execution so this was actually the hardest question i've had to answer in this entire outline because one of the things i wanted to do going into season two 
was try and look at the season in a new light. Because as we started Resistance, I was very adamant. Like, I love season one. I think it's a solid season, but season two is a mess. But now that we've gone through season two, it's not a mess. It's so solid because everything is is intentional. It's purposeful. It made the best that it could with the situation of the show being ended early that we assume. So it's hard because every episode is really well done and none of them stood out as bad. So coming into the season, I might might actually before we even started the show, I think I said right at the beginning that Vox Vortex was my least favorite episode, but that changed because I actually really ended up enjoying the episode the second time around. And I did think about Relic Raiders for a short moment because I agree with everything you just said. It's weird that they bring in Mika and never use her and just felt the execution was off. But the more and more I thought about it, I cannot wipe away my disappointment of the episode from beneath. I love. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes so, sense. I love so much about that, that episode. There's so much I love about that episode. I adore Orca and Flicks. They're probably my two favorite characters of the show. It's full of good moments, but oh. like, when you add it all up, it, it's. Well, that's the thing. Like, I adore Orca and Flicks. I like them in that episode. I love how endearingly stupid his Gazo family is because they're so dumb. But I love that they're dumb as bricks. And I love the story he's trying to tell. I like the I like the whole thing. But I cannot help but be disappointed how much they missed the mark with Queer Rep. That could have been a history-defining moment in the Star Wars franchise. And it could have set the bar future queer rep in Star Wars to actually have a queer couple on screen on screen be confirmed as a queer couple on screen. And it just completely blew it. It whiffed on every pitch, just like the Braves right now, who are now losing. And I'm so salty <laughs> about it. So mad. <laughs> the Braves are about to lose this fucking game that they were leading. So mad. But they just whiffed on it on From Beneath so much. And they had two opportunities to solidify it right well, there and it, then. It's 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 bad writing because you can you can feel them back off in the writing. You, you know, can. So absolutely. It, it, it makes you it takes you out of it when you feel that when you see them go like, oh, let's we, we got to, you know, we got a word the you, you know, when there, there's just a little lawyer, lawyerly wording going on and stuff. And you and, can feel that like corporate Disney got their fingers in it. Yeah. You yeah. yeah. No, they, were, they were they were they were coming up against the line and mm -hmm. you can and you and sometimes sometimes you can hide it and sometimes you can't and this one was like it, what? it sort of forced itself up to the line because the two characters are obviously a couple so it, i think it was actually our guest mark marquis because we were saying that too like it came up to the line and didn't cross it and i think mark said the fact that you know the line is there is the problem right 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 yeah that's it reminds you of the line in yeah it, when 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 you when you see, see and that's like that's like the it, i it's just overused word but that's the prob problematic part of it it's it, it but it's you know if i was like if i could take that part like and and isolate it to analysis of the episode that would be fine you know having a problematic element in a story but it it like messes it up further by 
like not seamlessly working in in the story you know or mm -hmm. not you know it takes you it takes you out of it uh, to where you go like oh the oh oh <laughs> you it makes there, you go there's the there line it goes. Yep, there's yep. the line it's right there, there. It is. Right yeah, there. and then you're you're not thinking about this doofy. It's a doofy story, you know. It's a fun. It's a fun episodic story, and all of a sudden, like, and and in the in the effort to skirt the issue, you've just underlined it, and then and circled set, it, and like underlined it, it, circled it, and, and then. Went, and, then, and then ran away from it and stood across the room looking at it, just going like, huh? Uh? <laughs> yeah, but no, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then they hold up their hands and they go, wasn't that good? Yeah? Was, it, no? was that okay? That was fine, yeah, right? Was it? it? Uh, I don't know. Leave me alone. Well, just go put home. it in a book because, you know, we'll be fine. We'll be fine the books. The books can be super gay. We started a conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, they did. <laughs> we're on. A, we're on our second conversation. Second conversation about it. Yeah, but. but I just, yeah, from beneath, just it hurts in a lot of ways. It could have been such. It burns. It, it does. It could have been such a good episode, um, but it chose not to be. So, um, who is the you strongest? You chose not to be good from beneath. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the strongest slash best developed character of the season? Um, you want me to go first? Yeah. Um, it has to be Tam. Um, despite the lack of time actually spent with her, you know, she has the she has like the defining arc in it, really. You know, she she has sort of the and I remember like when seeing some of the trailers for this, I thought this might be a 50 50 split between, and I thought the same. Oh, about, you're not the only one because the, the celebration poster has Tam and Kaz equally as the biggest focal point. Well, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was going to be 50 50 sort of like some characters in the first order and the good guy characters and then the characters from the first order eventually making it back or i i thought maybe it would be people who started out over there or or something like that but like um so so i mean tam functions to give you a little little look on the inside but she has like the, really the the most necessary character arc of say us of all the stories in you know kaz's story arc is a like okay he's a fighter and all this hers is even more grounded it's the the person who's been you know living on the bottom all the time and there's appeal to the the first order you know han solo got in the in the empire so you know that's like there, there's the compelling story of what's happening to the people on the Colossus, and there's also the compelling pe story of the people who might have gotten swept up in the First Order with it. So we've 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 covered the Colossus pretty good. So you know, necessarily her storyline is like the most important one in it. I just wish it. I, I you know, they they don't. Uns it's not unsatisfying the way that her arc takes place. I would have liked to have seen more. I would have liked to have 
I would have liked if there was more of it, it could have been the same arc. I would have, but any nuance and shading that they can throw in to the way fascist movements work on the inside too mm-hmm. can't hurt. You know, it can't, it can only add to the, to the story and the depth of it. So yeah, that's Tam, but d- despite her bare- really not being in, in the, here as much as she should have been. For me, for strongest slash best developed, I think that Tam, Kaz, and Sonara all have strong arguments and all for different reasons. And I actually thought um, to a lesser extent, Captain Dosa, because he goes on a nice little character yeah. arc too. Yeah. Um, to be different, because I do agree with everything you said about Tam, um, to be different, I'm going to go with Sonara um, because... I think when it comes to Sonara, the groundwork that they did a lot in season one ended up fucking fuck Dodgers just fucking won. Just get the fuck out of here, motherfuckers. Ah. Get out and die. Ugh, not die. We won't don't it's just a game. Ugh, fucking turn off the TV. Um Hope baseball, everybody. We've done this for six years. You know what it's like. <laughs> Every October. I hope um, you should start a podcast called Hope Swears at Baseball. Fucking fuck, fuck. <laughs> oh, no, it's just called being an Atlanta fan. Um, it's pain. all Lots of pain. Um, but they, all, a lot of the groundwork that they put in with Sonara from season one really paid off well. Because you can tell, like, just from, from when she first started um, in the Triple Dark, where she's just like, yeah, let's blow the damn Colossus out of the water. To where she first shows up with the Pirates at the beginning of season two, it's clear that she doesn't fit anymore. And she's trying to figure out her place. And a lot of scenarios, as we've said multiple times, a lot of her acting is what she's not saying. It's her physical work. Um, and she really grows a lot this season. And it really does catch down in with the mutiny where she chooses her family and she chooses to let go of her other found family. That's toxic, it's toxic and harmful to her. And she pretty much tells him to leave. And it's a really good arc. Um that I, I still, even though I still have issues with the end of it and how they kind of just drop her off to the at the end of the season, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Sonara is up there with Tam as well. She has a good arc, but they had to do it in, and it's something they do very well when they have to, is they did it in the, like, there was a lot of groundwork laid for it in the first season, but they did it in that that way of where, of just sort of like, a stroke here and there, you know, an episode here and there and a thing happening. And there's enough of it to, to, to get her through her arc, but it's, it's unsatisfying because you want more, you know? Yeah. But there's a lot of that going on with this show. So. Mm-hmm. Um, who to you was the weakest character who, who has the weakest character development of the season? It's Kaz. He, 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 you know, I mean, he didn't have he he still had stuff happening with him in this in the second season, but the first season really like was his important arc and and like there was a lot in season two of characters going like oh well, well, let's do that oh yeah okay whatever Kaz you know and uh, so so he got to play like. He got to play out his character arc in season two by by being more of a leader and and, you know, earning confidence and uh, 
and 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 trusting himself to be a good spy and being a good spy. So you got to see that actually like happen in season two. So, but there was a you know he didn't he really did like it wasn't un, it wasn't unsatisfying or even I think it was a good thing that that he didn't have a lot of character development this season. I think it, it gave room it gave room for other characters who had precious little time to develop anything. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um. I disagree because I thought Cats had a really interesting arc this season. Um, for me, it was Yeager. Because Nico, Nico is a solid character. He's not meant to have big character arcs. That's not right. his character. He's not supposed to be there. Yeager didn't really do much this season. Because um, you saw him transitioning in the first season where he was just like, I want nothing to do with this. So like, no, I'm back in the fight. Um, but then he just kind of was sidelined a lot of the show, and he was just like the dad on the bridge who was just like, go out and do things. Like, how many times did I say, man, it'd be great if Yeager was here? And we got, did get that and break out in The Missing Agent, but there was often times where I'm just like, Yeager's your best pilot and supposed to be the leader of the aces training them. Like, why is he not fighting more? And he like, could he be just, inspiring people. And he's just not doing anything um all season long so like for me it's definitely eager because i i still i i disagree with about kaz i think he had a really solid arc this show um but it is a lot of it's built on the first one but eager just didn't do anything so who or what would you have liked to have seen more um i've got a who and a what the battle droids and tam yeah although uh Although now that I'm looking at yours, big thumbs up on that too. <laughs> For me, it's the aces. It's yeah. always the aces. I always want more of the aces because they were a huge promotion of the show. They had their own little feature. And outside of Tor and Hype, and like the one episode we got with Griff, the aces didn't really do much. They, we don't get much. We don't know anything about Freya or Bo. They're just there. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, at least Griff got an episode. Freya and Bo didn't get shit all show. Like we know nothing about them. Freya got to go shopping once, remember? And she and she was very vocal about it. Like, oh, send the girl shopping. I see. <laughs> like, I, that was I, it. I I I think like the thing that I think mine is more like plausible to ask for because the battle droids you could have just stuck them in while other while like other important things were going along. You could have just had. You could you, all you had to do is have the 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 you know I can't remember his name the um the main battle you know the Roger like Roger B1 battle or, droid I think you could just the- have him standing in the background like with his head going back and forth with people talking you know and I would have been happy so they could have been just like you know shoved in more whereas the aces you know you just need more episodes you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might have been something like if they had more seasons, like they would each have like their moments to shine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. As as it is, I'm sure there were writers who were like, I'm sure there were writers who were there like, you're going to be in charge of these characters who got to like never got to, you know, ever do their thing. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of maybe sketching, you know, 
sketches of story things for the future and then that got put in a filing cabinet though i do have to throw out the honorable mention of after the mutiny just dropping sonara like she should be Mm -hmm. playing just as big as a role in the finale as everybody else she like the scene that really still sticks out to me the most is when like kaz is giving his goodbye and she's there he doesn't say anything to her and she just leaves (laughs) like i'm just like dude Come on! And he kind of had a crush on her too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I still say like that's the perfect time to have her go. No time for emotional, emotional goodbye, Kaz. To have a nice round out. Like I'm just dropping Sonara for the the mutiny. It just gets me. Um, what was your top? What the fuck moment? I said random Raiders of the Lost Sith storyline in the middle of like the <laughs> culmination of the story, but. I totally forgot about yours, and and once again, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm not gonna throw mine out, but I'm gonna heartily agree with hopes because yeah, that's that was what the fuck. So mine was Buggles tagging along with Kaz during Hunt on Seltzer Three. Like, what the fuck, dude? Just tell Tora you have your dog. You're like, Tora, Buggles is here. We're three. We're three feet away from the classes. Let's turn yeah. around. <laughs> it only. It it wouldn't have been what the fuck if they would have established Buggles as a Sith, but they had to. They had to only hint at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Though also, what the fuck of Buggles flew off a plane in one of the shorts and didn't die. That was a pretty what the fuck moment too. Unless he has Sith cloning chambers. I still like your theory that, like, Captain Doza just, like, swaps them out, like, when a goldfish dies. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, that's a st-. You're like, Buggles, we found him! And, like, new Buggles is like, who the fuck are all of you? <laughs> and no, like, Daddy, all the, why all, all the new like Buggles, they, they're just in a special room where they're fed and they're played videos of Torah and stuff, <laughs> so they're all up to speed when, when they have to be replaced. Because they they're go like, through a lot of Buggles. They're like all the Snokes in a jars. Yes. There's a bunch of bubbles in a jars, just like Oh my sticks. god, somebody needs to make a Snoke in the box, Jack in the box, that's shaped like a clone. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Come on, one of you custom builders. <laughs> and it play and it plays, you know, evil Sith music. Actually, it just plays aww, oh, no, here you go. Here, here you go. <laughs> So the outside, the the jar itself looks like a Snoke in the jar. But when you crank the handle, when it pops open, Palpatine pops out. <laughs> but it has to be one of those things like where, in, you know, where usually you're playing a music box. Yeah. This one is just like, like a cricket. It's just rubbing something against the string that goes, oh. Or it just has one of those, like, <laughs> you know, those little boxes. And, I, and God damn it, I should have one of those. I know I have one in the house, but I should have one of those right next to my microphone. But, you know, those little, they're, they're a little um, cylinder and you turn them upside down and they go, bah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Out. Uh, it should just have one of those that keeps turning just so it goes, ah, and then Palpatine hops out. That would be great. <laughs> and he's got a, ta- and there's a taser attached. So blue lightning comes out and 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, we gotta keep going. Um, so what was the best robot slash droid moment of the season? Hands down, return of the battle droids. Gotta have battle droids in a Star Wars show, and here they come. And when they and when that happened, it was just like, yes, now now. You know, you know how the moment whenever there's a new president and at some point somebody goes, oh, this was the moment he truly became president. This was a moment that that resistance truly became a Star Wars animated show, animated show that when the, the second you hear Roger, Roger, it's just like, ding, you're actually you're not in, wrong man. because you're visions, in. visions has battle droids. And when I saw Hell them, yeah. I was like, yay, visions. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vision has a lot of battle droids. Vision, like the the the, the yeah the the um, that's what uh, one of the things I loved about Visions is they just took in the whole thing, the the prequels and everything, you know, and just were like, yes, let's go. We love and also, it. Also, let's do our own stuff. Rock opera. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Tatooine Rhapsody. I fucking love that one. Anyway, um, for me, I also said the battle droids because it's it's just a delight every time you yes. see battle. It's oh, so it good. Even if it was a perfect opportunity to have kicks the lost stormtrooper clone trooper in resistance, and they oh, whiffed right. on it. They whiffed on it like the Braves did tonight with the Dodgers. Fuck Dodgers. Um, <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking all... you're saying Duck Dodgers. I keep seeing that like Daffy Duck cartoon. Duck Dodgers in the twenty third and a half century. Yeah. <laughs> oh but my fuck god! The Dodgers in the twenty first century. No, no, they can lose horribly. Well, we'll see. They're still like four games left um i do want to uh my honorable mentions just to be different that one moment where a hype's droid makes a dramatic bitch ex- exit like does the mic drop and like rolls after hype just like yes fuck all y'all I oh yes that. that that is a yeah oh yeah he's like you can hear him say and he just drops the thing and he goes and off like a sassy doing pants. the hand snap too with his with his little with hype yeah <laughs> Um, and also, Bucket helping an injured CB-23 off a ship. Like, he holds yes. out his hand, and she holds it, and she limps off, and it was just very cute. So, Is there a moment in this season that you're still not over, whether it was funny, sad, happy, etc.? Yeah, Kaz, Kaz wanting to be a murderer and going, you, God damn wrote, it, I did not murder that guy. You wrote not seeing Brooklyn Fry. Oh, 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 did I just read yours? Yes. Okay, Chris, edit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not seeing Ruckland Fry. I really wanted to see Ruckland, like, we know he dies off screen, but I wanted to see him, his face melt like the end of Raiders of Lost Ark, and it didn't happen. Uh, I wanted to hear him scream. What I was yours, see, Hope? I wanted to see his own shit moment of just like, oh my God, I'm dying. Um, mine was Kaz wanting to murder Pyre because it is a stunning moment. It is. Where he, it's it because for it's kind of out of the blue because it's not in Kaz's character. Like there have been choices, like like in the missing agent, he chose not to take a blaster because it's just not Kaz's character. It was, it was such a little line, and both you and I were just like, just like boom in our notes, just like look at this. Kids yeah, got murder in his eyes, and it's because it's so simple too. It's like, wait, it's not on, it's it's on stun, and it's just it's such a shocking moment, and it made me go, oh my god, Kaz. yeah, because he, wild. it's it's not just a little quip. He genuinely was like, wait, I just meant to kill him. God yeah. damn it, yeah, 
and it's it's a stunning moment. Um, so I did write because this was only two seasons. I did write a new question for both of us to answer. Chris, you are in charge of Resistance season three. What would you do with season three? Adventure story, based base of operation, the the Colossus, <coughs> which has to move around, but is now like you know, um, sort of sort of on a mission with using Mika Gray, uh, various missions, but a lot of them end up being Mika Gray-led missions to get stuff before Kylo Ren can get to it, or, and uh, it could have been used to square up Tross a bit, you know? Uh, and, and if they were hunting for Sith stuff, they could get a lot of stuff and this would get, go back to rebels and uh, um, some part and parts of Clone Wars, where we would see something that would reflect to something in the future. But but the characters at the time had no idea that that was a Death Star there, and not like, look, it's a little eyeball or whatever, you know. With mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so we could have had them keeping, you know, keeping blowing up Sith temples or get, you know, and picking up little bits of information that clue us into what Palpatine was up to the, the machination, the true machinations of Palpatine leading up to Tross and stuff like that and make it makes a little more sense, you know? And, uh, while all the while their interference would be keeping Kylo from finding stuff out till Tross. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 when Kylo finally finds his, you know, Sith Pathfinder, whatever the hell it is, to to take him to to um, uh, whatever the hell Palpatine's planet is, uh, you know, Exegol? That, Exegol, that it means something more, you know, and you know, various things that we saw for two seconds that you know the. The, the little guy, the, the guy who, the Sith hunter guy and stuff like that. We could have had some, some more, you know, shading in, you know, they could have done their thing. That's, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. For me, um, if I had a season three, I would have it, first of all, work on reforming the resistance. Cause we know this is like post last Jedi in like the year between Last Jedi and Tross. So focusing on that year, and I would love for them to, one, bring back Poe, but also introduce other characters like Finn, Ray, and Rose. Um, I think letting the new characters like Mika shine, because I just think it would be so interesting to have Mika and the kids of from Dahar meet Ray, Because Kel and Ayla and Mika, along with Ray, would be just a really cool dynamic. Um, and I also think like Kaz and Finn, along with Rose, would just be like a really fun trio. Because, like, Finn would be the more action-oriented one, and, like, Rose is the mechanic, and she's just like, oh, you're a mechanic too, Kaz, and he's like, sometimes! <laughs> like, I just think that'd be just such a fun, like, dynamic together. And, but I think the most interesting part about a third season would be Tam. Because um, Tam, having been in the First Order, now has insight, like, how they run, how they do their protocols, their, like, codes, and all that. So she would just be pivotal and i could even see like a story where she infiltrates her way back in maybe because definitely know it's your tyranny empire because they're dead but like her infiltrate her way into a, like a star destroyer and then like work in hux being a spy 
And, like, maybe, like, she, like, he gives her information to take back to the Resistance. And, like, so there's so much there. But, like, um, definitely, definitely, um, I would love to see Rey with Mika in The Kids from Tahar. I just, that, that is so interesting in my brain. Especially since, like, Rey is in a place where, like, she's kind of training herself. So to have someone like Mika, who's not Force-sensitive, that knows a lot about the Force. And then someone like uh, Ayla who is force sensitive, but they were like more spiritual and religious and definitely not Jedi. Like that's, there's so much right there in that little section that it would be fascinating to me just to have for like a couple episodes. All right, Chris, uh, I guess I should go first because that way we would end with like me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you. So yeah, I, I should, you should ask me my question first. So now we're in the, the part of the okay. episode where we wrote questions for each other. All right. Your first question is what what kind of season ending would you picture if the show lasted? I said a few more seasons, but say it lasted what they what they would have ideally planned for it. So which would have probably been a few more seasons. What would, what, what would be the long form ending of the show? So take everything I just said um, about a season three. So put that first. And then my <laughs> dream my dream final shot after all that happened for like a season or two, my dream final shot is the last episode has Kaz, Tora, and Tam flying Giger's ship. And they come out of hyperspace and they're at the Battle of Exegol. And they're with all the other ships and they give their call signs like um, fireball here, Tora ship here, uh, Tam here, and then the credits roll. Yeah, that would be a good one. That's my yeah. dream final shot. And then we know, like, of course, from the movie, they in the battle. But then it would bump it right up in the battle. It would place them there. We know they were there because they're in the the um, extra materials and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's my dream final shot. All right, Chris, your first question. As the visual guy, what do you think the strength of Resistance's art style is? Well... Like the big scandal, scandal or whatever the, the you know they were like okay this is sort of a mixture of anime and 3D animation you know and that sort of um in the first season was like I don't want to say wonky but it was noticeable as such in the first couple episodes but by the time it got going. I think what was really strong about this, and I don't know if this is something they planned from the beginning or if it happened that way, because when the the first season of this takes place in broad daylight on a planet with water reflecting light, but light, the way they use light in every element of the animation from the movement of of it to the way it falls on things to, you know, the layers of light when you're in a forest or something like that. If this was a practical a movie with practical cinematography, they would have been winning Oscars for the lighting of this thing. Because it's it's just, you know, when they, they use it, the, the it, even more so than sometimes in the movies, just maybe because of the way the it's it's realistic the characters are stylized but the you know the 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 machinery and the environments are realistic but they're also 
cartoony, whereas they're they're you know simplified a little bit. You know, they're they're very detailed sometimes, but there's there's also elements of it that are sort of cartoon stylized mixed with the hyper realism and it's just beautiful to watch so yeah their use of light in this is definitely what makes it sort of stand apart from other shows yeah i would absolutely agree with that like it's it's so i think that's actually one of the very first things that we said when we were yeah. covering the first episode you could of season see it in the two. trailers when they were promoting well, no, it you no, know? no specifically the first episode of season two which was into the unknown um, because they had been on Castellan for the entirety of the first season, and now that they're in, like, the dead of space, I remember you specifically saying, it's so dark, and it All sets the, the absolute... Yeah. And it sets the tone of what's happening, because there is no light. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they look like a spaceship that we're used to in Star Wars, whereas before they sort of, it, you know, it had a very, it was more like Cloud City or something, you it know, like, like all the uh, sunset shots or like the night shots yeah. with the two moons. Oh, there's just, oh, there's just sun flooding in through every window and everything. So every room is brightly lit and, and sort of clean looking, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah. All right. You're number two. You can have one spinoff show. What would it be? So I actually thought about this for a very, very long time. And I kept coming back to my the thing I've said over and over again. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. On the surface, I would love a non-canon Orca and Flicks going through the sequel trilogy like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but with huge musical numbers by Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan. And it's just super fucking gay. Like sequence, like like dance girls, drag shows. Like I just wanted to be super gay. Um, though, as we were going through, when we did our episode on the Resistance shorts, we kept saying over and over again, Orkin Flux could carry their own show easily. And I would love like a mini series of them or even like a web series of them of just like a lot like the shorts or like even me, maybe how they met or like, um, what you said, like Antiques Roadshow, and like occasionally we would have cameos from like Aunt Z, like Orkin folks can carry a show um, because they're just such fascinating characters. They're so interesting. They steal every scene they're in. And yeah, like I, they, out of, I think everybody in the Resistance cast, I think the two of them could easily carry a show, canon or not canon. And whether it's a huge non canon, like a parody show or a non-canon true... would be great just for the sheer fact that they could bring zero the hut in yeah or grabala your baby grabala that you fell in love with when we did the lego oh, special yeah. stink yeah right mm-hmm. right oh yeah i don't know if that episode has already aired or is about to air but uh chris and i did just recorded last week for the halloween lego special that just came out and chris fell in yeah, love no, with they've the, already, the they've already heard it yeah they've already heard it yeah and chris fell in love with Krabala, and which makes me super excited to one day do freemaker adventures oh my god <laughs> who, wouldn't fall, who wouldn't fall in love with master shake the hut oh oh yeah absolutely but i, I would definitely say orkin folks could definitely carry one they, they should really make a the mcdonald's should have a shake Based on on Grabala the Hut. The sad thing is, so few people would know what it is, and it would hurt my soul. Because I'd have to explain it to so many people. But yes, I would take it. Yeah, um, more more people would know what who Master Shake was, but yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, your next question. Now that you've seen this entire series, um, I would say out of all the animated series, Resistance is definitely the one that gets the most hate, which is not cool. Um, but how would you sell it to some other people who might be on the fence about watching the show? I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, okay, you're going to whine about the characters in the first half of the first season, and it might feel a little kitty to you, but just just grit your teeth and get through the first half of the first season. You've done it like a big boy before. Do it again and watch it on a on the biggest nicest tv you can watch it with the sound up really loud and if you got kids watch it with kids too because that will add to it but if you get past that first that half first half of the first season it's not even the first half of the first season like the first three episodes yeah you, you get past the first few episodes and it's it's just realize like a lot of series it's not always going to be like this it's going to it's going to gain depth and drama as it goes along and you'll be okay. You'll be okay. You're missing a lot of beautiful star Wars. You and know. I, I still stand by what I always sell this show. Think of it like a star Wars novel. It's not made to change canon. It's supposed to be a story in the pocket of a little universe. That's it. But it's, it's a pocket story. It's not made to change canon. I think a lot of people and me and me included, I'll be the first one in it. I came into the show going, why isn't this changing canon? Because yeah, we had the precedent, a... we had the precedents of Clone Wars and Rebels purposely made to change canon, but this doesn't do that, and it threw a lot of people off. So I always tell people, think of it like a Star Wars novel, not like a uh, like Clone Wars and Rebels, because it doesn't function the same. Uh... it's funny. I wrote this. I saw my notes that I wrote this, and I was like, damn, I wrote the exact same question earlier. Well. Here's no, no, no. That's the thing is, it's funny because that this was uh, I was using your answer as the next question because you because so, but you went ahead and answered your. I, I forgot I should have taken out the question from last time because that was a question from last time, which was what other canonic characters from the sequel trilogy could have showed up in the show, which I didn't mean to ask that question in this, but then you answered it with uh an answer and then at the end of your answer you said if you remember ask me this question again in season two to hear my how they could have used hux and tam as allies thoughts and then i wrote and then your question basically is like okay i will ask you that so i know yeah, and then how I could realized, they have used hux and tam as allies and I realized, but you answered the other one too so you might as well <laughs> i, I know <laughs> and then i realized i wrote pretty much a very similar you question got, earlier. It's just a couple sentences, so you can go ahead. You can go ahead yeah. and answer that first question again if you want, if you wish. But it, but. it actually is different. So, what other canonic characters would in from the sequel? Because you say could have showed up, and I'm I'm leaning heavily on the could have showed up. So I always thought if in season two, if they wanted to use Tam more, and of course this was written and created before Tross. So in a world where Tross had already been written and they knew where the show was going. It would have been really interesting if Hux and Tam realized that each other were spies and that Tam wanted out and she realized that Hux could be his mode of getting out of here or at least getting a message to the Resistance. But of course, this is not a perfect world and Tross was not complete. But let's say it was. Because that would be really interesting if she realized that, like, oh, Hux is a spy and he's smuggling stuff for the Resistance. Because then, like, she could have been like, I know a Resistance cell. Can you send them a message for me? And having this, like, really 
Because then you have, then when you bring Kaz into all of this, like, if he hears, like, Hux's voice, like, someone named Tan the ones out, he'd be like, nope, he blew up my fucking planet, we're not trusting this guy. If, <laughs> if you would have had time to, if they would have had time to develop it, it could have been really intense, because Hux probably would have been like, Hux was just doing it because he was his own personal reasons, so he wouldn't be like, I'm going to turn people against the First Order, but he he might be like, eyeballing Tam and going, she might be a weak link. There could have been a lot of like story about Hux trying to feel out Tam, whether she would be good to do this because this and while trying, you know, while trying to keep her away from, you know, keep tyranny from getting wind of it. And, and you know, there could have been a lot of intrigue. And like about Ruckland it. being in that mix too, like Ruckland sticking yeah, his yeah, nose yeah. into the business. Like, Oh, you're yeah. sucking up so you to, built to a lot of tension. And Tam would have just been in the middle of it. She would have been in the middle of all this internal garbage, you know. Yeah. And like everybody try everybody's trying to manipulate her for a different reason, you know. Because we know that Rucklin got really jealous of Tam at the end there. And so like if he saw, like, why are you hanging out with Admiral Hux? Like, why you? Like I'm the one that's the better Nazi here. Um and he might try to he might try to to erode Tierney's trust in her and stuff. So there was, the, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities in there. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before, like Ray with Mika and the kids would be just stupid and yeah. interesting. It's so I think, interesting. I think Finn and, Finn and Rose, mentioning that Finn and Rose, they would have had the most, like, they would have, they, they're, they're sort of grounded characters too. Which, so would, they would, which have, would make them fit so well into the cloth. Yeah, they would have, the they would have something cast. to add. They would have something useful to add. Imagine to Rose and Niku and how pure that would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rose and Niku would just be such a damn delight yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. And they would just be like so precious. They would have so much fun. They would just be like mechanicing away and like just being the best. And like I think for Finn, um, depending on when this is set, that like which is a very important thing. If this was if we if they if Finn got brought in like right at the beginning of season two where the last Jedi just ended, you know, he's only been outside of the first order for like a few days at the most. And so if he was brought to the Colossus, like right at the beginning of season two, like that would probably be a bit of a culture shock of like normal people oh my god like what do i do with normal people which would actually be a very interesting story with kaz who came from a place of privilege as a rich kid who had to come to the closet and be like oh my god normal people what do i do and that had been like so having like kaz being this very, very warm person to invite finn and like show him around and like getting him used to like normal life and like showing like these are the people we fight for like these are the people we protect and yeah. but also if you brought Finn in later at the end, um, him and Poe just like they could help show Kaz the ropes more. So if this was like set later in the season, closer to trust, then you could have Finn there yeah. like helping. As, like as Finn, it is, Finn and Norath, as, Finn and Norath would be great. <laughs> yeah, like as as it is, they could have never done it because they had like at the at this point in time the the Finn and Rose characters were so in flux as to what anybody oh, wanted to do with them so nobody yeah bad. that's a whole other mm-hmm. can of worms unfortunately all right so you're the one your next question you're the one that like 
pointed out that Pyre is a lackey. You started that conversation. So, because I actually really like Commander Pyre, but you pointed that out, and I was like, oh, fuck, Chris is right. So how would you make Pyre a more formidable villain? I would I would have him succeed at one thing <laughs> at some point, you know, like deci- decisively and make him feel like a threat. But he was he was just kind of a he was kind of a curses foiled again type of character, you know, and if he could have just pulled off just one one successful operation, you know, Tierney knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next one. Okay, you ready for your next question? I am. Right. Okay, is there anyone or anything you could have just done without in this season? And I knew there has to be, like, at least one thing. What was the point of Hugh? Kaz's old yeah. friend from, like, episode one? Yep. What was his point? Like, he just kind of took up space. He didn't do anything. He didn't impact the story. He was just kind of there. He Chekhov's you know, nothing. Yeah, like, he was just kind of there. And if anything, like, he made a couple fun jokes at Kaz's expense with hype, but that was it. Like, and I, I like the example that you brought up. Like, um, was it Biggs from A New Hope? Yeah. Biggs was Luke's old school friend who just showed up and died. At least he has like an emotional impact there for Luke as a character. At least everybody knew that there was there was backstory that got cut out for time in the movie. You know, at least with it, so it made somewhat sense. But yeah, he didn't. I I thought for sure he would. They were bringing him in to die dramatically to give Kaz. Not that Kaz didn't have enough trauma with his whole planet dying. So. But they didn't even do that. They did. They did, or they didn't even really like have Hugh play any kind of role after that. He was just sort of in there and out of there. He and, was there yeah. at the, in the end scene instead of fucking Sonara in the end cantina scene. Like yes, I just just didn't yeah. do anything. I mean, it could have been it time. Weird, they they, yeah. they could have just given that time to somebody else. Um, though very interesting. You just the way something you brought up. Something I would have liked more of is Kaz dealing with his planet blowing up. That was something I feel like they should have had way more of. And they did, I think they shifted a lot of it to Tam in the opening episodes because he definitely is in a bit of shock and a little manic in the first episode because he just went through a shit ton of trauma. But they kind of pushed it all all off on, like, his feelings of Tam. Like, I miss Tam. It was my fault that we did Tam. And I'm like, dude, your fucking world just blew up. Like, the moment that he saw that his dad was okay and and his dad was like, yeah, your mom's here. We're all fine. Kaz is like, great. I Fuck everybody now. else. They were all, we were on the planet of the assholes, except for you guys. I'm fixed now, and I'm like, no, like there's that's something I would actually would have liked more of is them dealing with the fallout of Kaz losing his planet. It's something I've always wanted with yep. Leia that they've done really well in books and comics with in Leia. Books and comics, yes. But we've never seen it on screen, and this was a golden opportunity to have. Kaz deal with that so we can at least reflect it on how Leia might have dealt dealt with that. It's it's been dealt with in the comics three times. Yeah. <laughs> in in the original Marvel, in the Dark Horse, and in in the, the new, new Marvels. Marvels. Yeah. Yeah. But so like that's something I would have liked more of. 
Um, your next question. Yes. So you wanted more Tam all season long. How would you have fixed your Tam gripes with this season? I would have really flipped the script. And, you know, season one ended with the with the Colossus flying out into space. And it was just like, oh, shit, everything's been turned upside down. I would have continued with that and started right out with firmly establishing that we were with Tam this this season. We're still going to go to the Colossus every once in a while, but we're mostly going to see the Colossus through the the um, First Order's eyes, through Tam's eyes. You know, it would be more of them chasing the Colossus from their point of view with the occasional sidebars on the Colossus. But I would, I would, I would, since by this point they're doing two seasons, it would be like each season is sort of like, uh, you know, a mirror image of each other. And I would, uh, and I would, and I would focus on, since her character arc is really like, I think the most important character arc thematically in the whole story, I would have, I would have flipped this and, and made it a meditation on, on the differences between how the, which they did do, but I would have made the whole season about the differences between life in the first order and life on the Colossus. And, and, and then you could have done more things that were seductively good. Like she gets to fly, she gets to fly, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And she's getting attention and moving up. And I would have, I would have, I would have, that's what I would have done. And that would have definitely fixed my Tam gripes. Yeah, I very much agree. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> my last question. Let's go. Uh, all uh, in all, uh, who would you say is the most valuable pick, uh, most valuable player of resistance? And you get two picks because it's unfair to be like you only get one person. Yeah, so I when I realized you were talking about the whole show and not for season two, Yes. Um, it's an inappropriate question. I realize but no, no, no. It's it's a good question though. Um, for one, yeah, CB23, good question for the next episode. But yeah, it's fine. Uh, for one, CB twenty three, she is the MVP of the show. She, the moment she arrives, like makes BB eight. Like BB eight's fine, but like she carries. Yeah, the show. I like her better than BB eight. And she saves their lives on multiple damn occasions and is the one that gets them out of shit. Like CB23 is the R2 of this show and they would have and, died and, several times. And when they brought her in, it was just like, oh no, another droid. And she stakes out her character. She has personality. She has yes, sass. Yes. She's she so... becomes, she's not a generic, just a generic BB-8 clone at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I would also say the other MVP is Kaz. While he doesn't have the biggest growth in season two, he's a completely different character from where he started. If you watch the final episode of Resistance and then go back and watch the first episode of Resistance, it's, yeah. nine, day. it's nine day. Like, he's a completely different person. And I would actually argue that he has a bigger character arc than Ezra or Ahsoka um, in their respective two shows. Like, Kaz is just a completely different person and he's grown so much and he's learned so much and he's used those skills and he's become such a good character that was really funny though when i was thinking about this question the first person actually to pop in my mind after cb23 was ruckland 
hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, that's not, I don't totally reject that uh, offhand. And I don't mean like most valuable player in a good way. Right. Rucklin is someone. Well, it's, like, it's like Time Magazine's man of the year. Sometimes it can be Hitler. <laughs> you know? And Rucklin, I started thinking about this, might not push the story along, but he pushes characters along. And he's definitely a foil for Kaz for a lot of season one. Like they run side by side each other a lot. And as a, like a as a and I I talked about this when we got when we talked station to station. And I talked about this earlier in the show too. And I I think in Rucklin's first episode I talked about this. Like he is a foil to Kaz for you to look at Ka- at Rucklin and go Kaz could so easily be that person, and he's not. And he chooses not to be. He chooses to be better. So he runs as a foil to Kaz. But also, a lot of Rucklin's actions and his snide comments and what he represents as being a, like a very visual beacon, beacon of this is what the First Order is, is what pushes Tam away from the First Order. Because he's always there. He's always, and like, she, she, you see her often looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, is this what I signed up for? Because Rucklin is like pretty much the poster boy of what they all should be. And Tam looks at him and goes, I don't want to be that. And so I, I I would throw Rucklin as an honorable mention as a for characters, not story, because he is a very negative character that pushes a lot of the characters in different ways. All right. Um, I'll accept that. So, your last question. Oh God, I'm about to do a fucking volution, <laughs> and I'm not prepared for it. I never am. So eat a bowl of Wheaties while I answer this one. Oh. Other than a few nods to The Last Jedi at the start of the season, there were not many tie-ins to the movies, leaving Resistance to be a very standalone story on its own. Do you think it's a good thing it didn't have a lot of movie tie-ins, unlike Clone Wars and Rebels, which was made to fill in the gaps between Episodes 2 and 3 and the time between Episodes 3 and Episode 4? I think it could have been if that's how they planned it from the beginning. Because it could have been its own self-contained thing, which I don't think would have been was very popular with people. But I think it would have been better to sh- to have it meld in with the movies like Clone Wars and like Rebels did. Um, but and it was to its detriment because they started off obviously wanting to do that, and uh, then it became just sort of emblematic of the the like us it would became a sign that the movies didn't know where they were going because they just sort of dropped that so, remember when phasma was in the show yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but then the, then after a point it was like they they were like well we can't really we if we do anything with that it's gonna tie hands in the movies because we don't know and yeah so i think like if they would have known what was going on with the movies and known what was going on with how many seasons they had, it would have been better probably in the end for it to be to for them to to originally conceive it and do it as a standalone thing because that's what it ended up being. So yeah, it could have been, but they would have had to have intended it to have been from the beginning. <laughs> as it was, I think it was meant to to meld in with the movies not as much as say clone wars not to where it was doing things that were although it could have done a few things that affected the movies or stuff but like yeah it would definitely been you know it would have been more of 
sh- you know, tying in with the movies to show how it affected people on the ground and stuff, but they just they yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always important to keep in mind that Resistance was in the works before season four right. of Rebels was finished. Right. And it was developed alongside Solo, <laughs> just to give a timeline. <laughs> season two of Resistance was developed alongside Solo. Yeah. So <laughs> just to give a time. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All right, here we go. (sighs) Time to belly up to the bar. All right. You're not going to introduce it? (laughs) All right, folks. It's your favorite part. It's the Aunt Z evolution where you you hop into Aunt Z's bar and she's going to sum it all up for you. At least season two, anyway. (sighs) And this is the point where Chris... Mutes out, has a three-course meal, plays with his cat, folds his laundry, all while listening to our season two summary. It's Cantina <laughs> Stories with Aunt Z. I meant to practice my Aunt Z voice earlier today, and I forgot. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's so hard not to sound like a parody of Sarah Palin. Just like, oh, I can see Russia from my house. I see. I don't hear. I don't hear Sarah Palin. I just hear like I. I was actually. I lived in Minnesota for six months. So. Oh, I know. I hear Minnesota. I hear Fargo. Basically, when you do that. (laughs) I know it's so bad. Here we go. I like it. Oh, welcome to the bar, everyone. Just pull up a seat. Pull up a seat. Here, I'll move. Move. We got new customers here. So you must be new around here. Oh, so much stuff has happened in the last year. It's been crazy. Let me tell you about it. Cause like, first of all, Captain Doza kidnapped everyone on the ship. Like we didn't even have a choice. Like, you know, those first order bastards were like coming in and like putting their shit on my counter. And I was like, you can't put that shit on my counter. That's where the kids sit. Are you trying to get the kids? Because if you get the kids, I've lived long enough to know people like you. And I know that you suck. Get that shit off my bar, you little space Nazis. And they didn't like that at all. So then Captain Doza was like, oh no, I guess we're being attacked and he kidnapped all of us and he flew off into space. And it was really difficult there for a while now because the Colossus took like a really hard hit and the ship's old. It's older than me, which is saying a lot because I am a vintage wine, honey. Don't ask me my age. Don't ask me my age. That's rude. That's rude. But, so we were flying through space, and our ship kept breaking down, but it was a really fun day because all the gravity turned off and everyone was floating everywhere. And, like, it was very cute because, like, Orca and Flicks were, like, floating in the air and having, like, a very romantic moment. Like, they are the most precious boys. Sweet boys, let me tell you what. I can't wait to, like, host their wedding. It's going to be great. Well, I know I did host their wedding, but they're going to have, like, one of those, like, mini-moons, like all the millennials are doing it. Just look up a mini-moon. It's like a honeymoon, but tiny. Anyway. Everyone's floating around and we start like running out of food and energy and stuff, right? So we decide that it'd be a great idea to train up our aces. And let me tell you, Hype Phazon did not like that. Hype Phazon, let me, that dramatic little bitch, but he pays well and he always tips well. So I can't say too many things, but he is a dramatic little bitch. He was not happy about becoming a fighter pilot and he was sulking in that corner right over there. See that corner, that table in the corner has the sign that says here, Hype Phazon Salt. We just keep that around regularly. It's a soaking table. No one's allowed to sit there. So like pirates and everything was here. And so all of our aces decided to become fighter pilots, you know? You know? <laughs> I can't say you know. I, then I go into like Canadian mode. <laughs> 
like, uh, what was I saying? Oh, we, would, we were all hungry, right? And we're running out of water and all this. So the aces are learning how to be fighter pilots. And they, meet, they made this big old thing called a jacuz. And jacuz, great eating. It's good eating. And they were just like, Anzi, what if we kill the jacuz? And I was like, that's a good idea. But do you know how big one of those things are? Like, it's just going to smell up the whole Colossus. But food's food, you know? I put some sauce on it. Put a little salt. Do a little Anzi salt, but it'll be fine. So they killed the jacuz, right? And so the jacuz was really tasty. We had the biggest block party the Colossus has ever seen. I, of course, hosted because I'm the best host here. Everybody else can't host a party like an antsy party. Remember to tape tip your waitress, honey. Are you walking away? I'm the waitress. I know where you live, Steven. All right, I'll see you later, Steven. That, yeah, we'll put a little bit more on the counter. There you go. Thank you. Get that money. No, that's my money. Don't touch it. Anyway, so they killed the Jacuzzi and we had a big party, yeah? And then this, like, lady named Nina came along and, like, it was really cute because it was so clear that Niku had a crush on her. But, like, Niku is, like, this sweet, precious baby boy and he doesn't quite realize it. And she, I, the moment I saw that girl, I was like, oh, that girl's shady. Niku, don't do it. And turns out she decided to try and, like, screw us over. But, you know, she had a change of heart. It's, you know, we have pirates living here. So that's not our girl. She's such a nice girl, too. And I, you know, my, one of my best friends is Mads Kanata. Like, we've known each other, like, pretty much my entire life. But she's a pirate, so, you know, like, bygones and stuff. So then we hear, I heard this great story where Flix was like, hey, I just saw my family. And I was like, oh, no, girl. You just saw your family? He was like, yes, it was so crazy. And he was telling me about how he, like, went down to get gas from his family because, like, they own a gas thing. There was a dragon there. Like, first we got Jakus and now we had dragons. And I was like, Flix, why didn't you bring the dragon back? We could have ate one of those. And he was like, you don't understand. We almost died. And I also had to deal with my family. And, like, they got to meet my husband for the first time. And I was like, oh, that must have been real sweet. He's like, no, my cousins are idiots. Which, you know, tracks. Gozzles tend to be a little bit cute. And Flix is a good one. So at least that all went out really well. And then we got this brand new lady that come on our ship, right? She's a hustler. She's totally my kind of lady. She, her name is Mika Gray. And she knows all sorts of stuff about the force. I know all about the force. Maz told me about it. Like one time I went to Maz's basement and she had this lightsaber and she was like, yeah, this is like Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck an Anakin, what's an Anakin Skywalker? I don't know, but I got to hold the lightsaber and it made me feel like a total badass. If you ever get a chance to hold a lightsaber, you hold one. Anyway, Mika shows up and she sets up this like little bar like outside in the, the market, what's that called? Marketplace. And that down the marketplace, and I was like, you know what, girl, you're here. And also, here's the two kids from Tahar. They're really, really cute, and but they smell like turtle people. Please give them a bath. So she took them. They went to the bath. But then, one day, we're getting shot up, right? And everything's crazy. And it turns out, Doza put all of our lives in danger because he wanted to try and meet his wife for his daughter's 16th birthday. And I'm like, Doza. Look, I know, it's super sweet, but we're at war here, and I didn't volunteer for this war. You know what? Buy your kid another dog. You keep losing the first dog. You sent one dog off on a ship, and it died. You sent another dog to the true goose, and it died. Just get your kid another dog. Don't put the rest of us in charge of your girl's 16th birthday party, you know? First of all, you didn't pay me for the birthday party. Second, we're at war. You don't put a ship full of people just because you want to fuck your wife, honey. Don't do that. So then we're flying along, right? And it turns out we ran into a hut 
because they were like, let's get some money from a hut. And Hype thought that was a good idea. Like, he came out of his little sulking table in the corner of it there. And he was all like, I'm going to go race and meet my friend Frankie. And anybody named Frankie is not a really good person. Like, for one, like, what a name is that? At least have a good honorable hut name like Grabala. Grabala's a really great hut name. I know Grabala the hut. Great casinos. He built one on Mustafar once. I didn't hear, I heard it didn't go very well, though. So now he's looking for a new place. <laughs> but show ties things up. <laughs> And so, we ended up getting a bunch of money from Grabala, and, or Grabala, <laughs> from Frankie, and it all worked out really fine, it was fine. But that brought Mika Gray, has set up like it out in the thing, and Kaz, sweet baby boy Kaz, let me tell you about Kaz. Good kid, wrecking ball, like he's like the Miley Cyrus of the Colossus. He came in like a wrecking ball, and he just kind of destroys everything, but he's a super sweet kid, and he fights really hard, and I had to give him in that, because he's lucky he's... You know, cute and honorable and all that shit because he's gonna get himself shot one day. He's gonna get himself shot. But he had like extra bad luck than usual because Steve Bloom as a pirate licked him. And that's not a good thing. When Steve Bloom pirate licks you, you mean to curse. He's not actually cursed and Mika Gray helped him figure some shit out and it all worked out in the end. And then one day, we all almost died. Like the MacGuffin coil went out and we were all gonna burn up in the sun. So. Niku and Kaz, precious baby boys, went out to find a ship, and apparently, that little sneaky bitch Rucklin, who used to live here and just would always, like, be the worst tipper. Jace Rucklin is a horrible tipper, and he used to just, like, sit on the table and, like, order the most expensive thing, and he'd only leave, like, a couple pennies as a tip, and sometimes he wouldn't tip at all. So I oftentimes spat in his food. He always, I called it the Rucklin special, and he thought it was the most delicious thing that he was eating both my spit and my pubes, and he loved it. It was so great. So they went over there, and that bitch wanted us to die, and I was like, you know what? You're dead to me. You're dead to me now. So they got the MacGuffin coil, and we were all saved. So the war started getting like really bad then and people are getting antsy like Yeager and Kaz went off to save this guy named Norath, really sweet boy, he's allowed to say we like that Norath guy, and it all worked out. And then the pirates, okay let me tell you about the pirates, right? The pirates have been living here since, well pretty much since we left Castellon. And they are freeloaders, they eat all the food, but some of them like Sonara, that is a very good girl, we like Sonara. She, great tipper cleans up after herself, love her to death. Snara can stay forever. Those pirates tried to kill all of us because they wanted to take up the classes. And this is a big ship. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know what they're going to do. And they're just going to take over us. Oh, no, no, no. But luckily, Niku, again, super smart boy, horrible with love, like wants to make love with something like Bebo. I don't know what, what a Bebo is. I don't know. But maybe he ate Bebo. I don't know. But anyway... He stopped the pirates, and it was a really great moment, and I haven't seen a B1 battle droid in so long, but he's a sweet boy too. The B1 Roger Roger battle droid can come up here and stay anytime. He's a sweet boy. So those who decided it was time to run away, and I'm sitting here going, you're such a coward. We're at war. Not that I want to fight in the war. I don't want to fight in the war. I just want to run my establishment, as you see here. And hey, you put that back. That's a replica, and it's worth more than your head. Put it back on the shelf. Dust it off. There you go. Walk away from it. Flix, you gotta tell your husband to stop touching my shit when he's drinking. Take your husband and go. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Anyway, Doza wanted to try and find us a new place to settle, which is not a great idea. It's not like the war is just gonna stop just because we settle in this new place, but it was nice to see the sun again. So we land on this place called Eos. Gorgeous. 
You know what? If Grabala ever wants to build a casino, he should build one here because this place is gorgeous. There's like fish people, plenty of sea, beautiful rings in the sky. It's honestly one of the prettiest planets in Star Wars. What's a Star Wars? Don't worry about it. You don't need to know what a Star Wars is. So we're all sitting here getting ready to start our new lives. And I hope the fish people pay well. I was excited to see whether or not they paid well. I don't know what they pay in. And, I, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. Who's going to come see our races once we start promoting them again? But, you know what? Doza is Doza. He's going to Doza and do his Doza thing. But the First Order, of course, found us. And it was crazy. We had to get out of there. We had to abandon the fish people. I heard they died. I heard they all died. I heard they all got shot. So that was sad. But hopefully they're not dead. Because, you know, like, genocide sucks. And... That was kind of our fault. Yeah. Here, drink more. Here, drink. Drink, drink, drink. I don't know if you can hear that sound effect of me sliding a can across the table. Drink more of this. Don't think about the genocide right now that we almost caused. That we did cause. So, it started to get pretty bleak. Because we tried running away. We tried finding a new place. And it just kind of like shits the fan, you know? So... Kaz gets this message, sweet boy Kaz, from Tam. I haven't thought about, oh, you don't know who Tam is? So Tam was this really sweet girl that got swindled by those assholes the First Order. Because Giger, he did some questionable things, and I heard that he lied to her for, like, an entire season and stuff like that, which is not cool. You don't lie to your daughter. You should actually explain what fascism is to your daughter and how to look out for it. But, you know, we're all human. Giger made a mistake, and his daughter went to the First Order. That poor girl was stuck there, like, all season long, and it was the worst thing ever. So she eventually decided that she wanted to come home. So Kaz and Yeager decided to go make up their guilt mistakes, and they decided to go find Tam. And they brought her home. But it also brought the First Order here, and these like two bitches named Tyranny and Pyra has been chasing us all season, but they're not really dangerous. They can't really do any much. I hear that Pyra's really bad in bed. Yeah, I hear he's like really horrible in sex, but it doesn't matter because he's dead. And so is that bitch Reckland, because they were on the Star Destroyer, and they are all blowed up. And I did a lot of fighting. I got to bring out my big gun, and it was all like pew, 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 pew. And we fought the Stormtroopers off the Colossus, and we saved our own home, because this is our home. So, yeah, are you going to pay for that? No? Yeah, you pay for that. Thanks. But that's what happened. It was really fun. If you want to come on, you know, we should just, I don't know, like, talk to, like, I heard there's, there's this guy named George Lucas or something. Like, we just talk to him and get more of resistance if you want more of this. All right, guys, we're closing up shop. Last round. I don't know. I don't even know if I understood me. <laughs> I hope you understood me. <laughs> what you say? I know what? No, could you understand me? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah! We all, we all understood you, Hope. I hit a point moment where I'm just like, I know I'm saying words, but I don't know if I'm actually saying words. <laughs> we were all words. <sighs> Ta-da! The end of season two. Mm. Final question. Yeah, we do have one more question to do. So, Chris, how would you rate the season as a whole? Um, it was hard. And, like, I actually, I thought about giving it a lower score, but I gave it a nine because I'm grading it. And I'm sort of going against what you were sort of doing and trying to just take it as I'm in I'm grading it on the context of 
they had to figure out how to end it in one season. And as such, I gave it a nine. But uh, it's flawed. But uh, understandably so. And it ends. It's it's very satisfying. So it succeeds. And it should have been a mess. And it really wasn't. There were messy aspects of it. But. Um, I think that was, it couldn't have been, couldn't be avoided and probably, probably would have been a lot messier under, um, less qualified hands. So nine. Yeah. Um, I think this is more solid than Bad Badger's first season. Shots fired. (laughs) Shots fired. Um, I I gave it an eight only because I think I scored season one as a nine, and I do I still think season one is the stronger of the two seasons by far, um, I, but not I'd by much. Time, yeah, I'd have a hard time trying to figure out which yeah, one I like better. I think the different was direction. Like you could tell the very clear direction of season one, where it starts off as like the slight kind of community piece, and then you can watch the fascism invade. March to fascism, yeah. And so it had a clear direction. And I didn't see season two's direction until the second time through when we're going through it with a fine tooth comb, where I started going and, and like hearing like the input from our guests and like talking with you. I'm like, okay. I'm seeing what they're doing here. Um, Because the first time I watched it, it felt very distorted. And, like, me, like, really focusing on each and every episode and, like, seeing and playing, like, and talking about it, like, I started seeing, like, okay, this actually really, really works. Um, So so I I do think the direction of season one is clear, which is why it has the higher score, but not by much. Like, I I would actually almost say an 8.5 if if season one's a 9. Okay. I was Um, was surprised you were lower than me. yeah. yeah, but I, I still personally, like, if I'm going to go back and watch Resistance, I'm going to watch season one because it's still my more my, my favorite. So there we go. All right. Well, next week we are going to be looking back at Resistance as a whole. We're going to have some guests on. Um, I'm really excited about this. But for now, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com, our website full chock full of nuts and podcasts performed by nuts and you can sign up for our rss feeds for either all of two true freaks or individual shows or you can go to like apple podcasts and sign up for our stuff you can go to if you're on Facebook, you can come join the Two True Freaks podcast page and we will post up every show as they come out. And uh, we have the Two True Freaks Cantina on Facebook where you can go and talk about nerd stuff. And if you are of that bent, <laughs> if you're a weird internet pervert, you can go on to Twitter. Stop calling us perverts, you asshole. Uh, asshole Twitter you'll never find a more vile collection of perverts and assholes except for the person who runs the Two True Freaks Twitter page and And our Twitter page yes yes you well yeah you well yeah that's you 
we'll get to that later. <laughs> we're we're getting to that. But if you want to find two true freaks, you got on Twitter. You got to go through Gene, 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 the gatekeeping machine. So to say, the perverted machine. <laughs> <laughs> I switched it up. Gene. Uh, 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 <laughs> the sound of Gene thrusting. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, that's where they can find me and Gene, the non-pervert machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can they find you, Hope? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Jedi on Twitter, where I'm not a pervert. I'm just thirsty. We call it thirsty. Um, oh, okay. The thirsty machine. Um, where I, uh, what was I saying? Where I run our Twitter yeah, account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on our Twitter account at JS and Cheddar. You can also follow me at Hope Molinex. Um, I also am a writer for the Geeky Waffle. Um, I should say I'm going to be on a couple shows coming up. Um, Both of them should be out by now. Um, I'm going to be on an episode of Space Waffles. I'm actually recording it this Friday, so it should definitely be out by now. Um, I'm going to be recording with my friend Arzu, and we're going to be talking about the Masters and Padawans of the High Republic. And I'm also participating with the Geeky Waffle in the Potathon. Um, hold on, Chris, let me. It pull. sounds like a natural history show. Masters and Padawan of the High Republic. The master chooses food and partially digests it for his young Padawan. Um, I'm so this has already happened, but I'm going to be part of the Potathon, and it's hosted by Around the Galaxy and Bond Badcast. I'm going to be participating with the Geeky Waffles. Um, so it should be out by now. Our hour and our time is going to be... Hold on, Hope is looking this up. Sorry, I'm having to go through stuff. Uh, so we are going to be in the hours of 1 p.m. to 2 Eastern Standard Time. So I believe it's one long broadcast, so you can find me there. And I'm going to be participating with the Geeky Waffles. That should already be out by now, so I think it's on YouTube. Um, so you can see it there. Um, I also have my website, Geeky Girl Experience. And Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons that I actually was editing today, which is exciting. Guys, get on my ass. I need to work on this. Ah! <laughs> and yeah, so next week we're going to be wrapping up Resistance for good. I'm just so excited to get to Visions. I'm so excited. I love you, Resistance. I've been I've enjoyed this ride. It's been a fun, fun year to be with you, Resistance. I am ready. I just want to get to re- Visions. I'm so excited about talking Star Wars Visions with Chris. I am... And, and we're going to be doing a three-episode miniseries covering three episodes at a time. It's going to be so much fun. But come back next week because we are going to have guests on. And we're going to be talking about Resistance as a whole. And we're just going to have a good time doing it. So, yeah. Bye, Resistance. Bye next week, Resistance. But bye, Chris, this week. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. 
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.